0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another, uh, you know, mediocre episode of uh, Hot Dogs and Caviar. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be the same as all the other episodes. It's okay. Uh, (laughs) You know, (laughs) Tarver's not here, but we're going to do our best. All right, uh, everyone, uh, welcome to uh, another uh, fine, fine episode of Hot Dogs and Caviar. Uh, I would like to first, uh, in the name of all that is holy at least all the hot dogs and caviar holds holy which is basically hot dogs caviar and like booze uh dedicate this episode to the memory of scott razor ramon hall maybe the best heel of the 90s the best my favorite like what a scumbag just like the guy had the most magically punchable face and in the world of wrestling that's enough but on top of that, one of the he sickest, oozed arrogance. Oh my God! You just, you just wanted to <laughs> slam his head in the car door, and like we're complimenting him. Oh, I loved him. One of the best bad guys in the history of wrestling. He and is the
1: bad guy.
0: Yeah, he's that was his name. He literally called himself <laughs> the bad guy. <laughs> and but the thing is, that's it. He was the bad guy. Uh, sadly, uh, passed away of complications from hip surgery uh that involved having three heart attacks in one day which has got to be some kind of record so let's go razor just the worst scummiest sleaziest most face punchable heel in the <laughs> goddamned game yeah. uh, and and how badass was his finishing move the best the razor's edge yeah which is like uh if you started watching wrestling in the mid 90s you know what it is the crucifix powerbomb because that's what edge and christian called it when they did it but anyone that was like you know started watching WWF in the 90s missed him because he'd already gone over to WCW but the razor's edge the crucifix powerbomb sick move uh and mm-hmm. it took a real athlete to do it but just Yeah, also, he was not a little guy. Yeah, like uh, he was like, oh, God, he must have been 6'5", and he was like chizzled. Yeah. But, man, and he could he could stick a fucking crucifix powerbomb like it was his job. The razor's edge, great finisher, great wrestler, and just the worst heel ever. Like, <laughs> he just inspired hatred. Like, if you don't know who we're talking about, just Google Razor Ramon. And wait until you get a picture of a guy chewing a toothpick with a greasy mullet. And you're gonna One think of my to yours, all-time
1: favorite guy. You're,
0: you're gonna think to yourself, I would never let my daughter date that man. That is that is the natural uh, thing that you should <laughs> feel when looking at Razor Ramon. One of the best heels in the industry. So sadly passed on. Wrestling forever. Uh, hot dogs <laughs> and caviar salute. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, how's it going, Nate Dog?
1: Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Just uh, busier than a puppy with three dicks, but you know,
0: it's uh, about it. <laughs> that's 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 pretty it's awesome. Pretty busy. That is pretty pretty busy. That's uh, I'm that's all right a, though. That's yeah. a lot of dicks. Well, uh, I am. Uh, I'm mixing up my medicine. I have here a mason jar, and in this mason jar, there is ice and there is vodka, and in my left hand, there is honey basil soda from Cannonbaro Soda Company. Uh, local are they boys. closed? Did they? That's a yeah. shame. Well, I've had this kicking around in the back of my uh, cooler for a while. I got
1: I got a new pat here. This is uh this is Ray Finkel, my sourdough starter made from einkorn wheat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun. I'll be
1: uh, posting some stuff about I that I do with it, but it's pretty spectacular. This is the most ancient of all grains, so I've read it's over twelve thousand years old. This species of wheat it's like unmutated. It's, it's really good. It's like golden colored hue and sweet. It's nice, man. I'll post some stuff about it, but yeah, that's awesome. It's going good. It's nice and gassy. Gassy. You know, what's cool about sourdough is, and, um, yeast is it pisses alcohol and farts carbon dioxide.
0: So there you go. Right. Whereas I, uh, (laughs) I consume alcohol and carbon dioxide, Yeah, and then uh, that's what
1: made me think of that.
0: (laughs) I piss water and fart methane, which is fine, you know. Obviously, I'm not as cool as as cool as a sourdough starter, but I'm 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 pretty cool. Let's be let's be real.
1: That's pretty cool. All right, I don't know. I've been messing with that.
0: What are you gonna make with it?
1: Probably a whole bunch of different things, but I'm really messing with these. this pasta from La Marque. It's called uh, Checa Moretti. It's made with um, sourdough starter. It's like boiled bread dough, but you use um, sourdough and you roll them. It looks kind of like PC or Strazo Preti. I'm going to mess around with that. I'm going to try to extrude it at work out of the extruder. Wow. Cause it's kind of a bitch to roll. Cause it's real tight. It's like bread, raw, really hydrated bread dough. It it's might, delicious though.
0: It might, well, it's, um, and it's
1: kinda, it's kinda like lost pasta flavoring. Is it stretchy? Is it glutinous? I'm wondering yeah, how it looks through. Yeah. And it's, it's extensible, but it, you know, it retracts. It's got a lot of elasticity, but the more you work it, obviously the more it's going to want to come back. Cause proteins really only contract.
0: I hear you okay that's
1: kind of a bitch to work with so that's what gave me the idea of trying it through the extruder so i want to try that we'll
0: see what happens i mean sometimes just for
1: shits and giggles something for lunch you know
0: yeah absolutely something for lunch as you're as you're making like einkorn sourdough starter to make your (laughs) to make your lunch hold on and if you'll hear in the background that's my timer i've got a venison pate in the oven we that really... is going
1: to lead into one of our listener questions. Guys, so you we better walk... go
0: check it. Don't overcook we, it. We walk the walk. Nate is making einkorn. I didn't know he was doing This is not like... No one knew. I just started it. This is not staged. That's Ray Finkel. Nate is making sourdough starter to make pasta. And I have a venison pate in the oven. <laughs> it's 830 at night on a weekday. And this we're is freaking just, nerds. This is just what we're doing. This is like we're so we're such nerds. I really wanted to have this project done hours ago, but hours ago I was um, go check your pate. Too hungover to start. Yeah, that beeping is not going to stop. I'll be right back. It's good. The oven's off. Uh, I uh, I it was at like one fifty eight a few minutes ago. So Perfect. I just uh, so started I just gave it twelve more minutes, and I was like, it's probably fine now. I'll give it another twelve minutes. 325, no fam Just let water it bath. Hang out. And uh the, so now I'm like, now the oven's open. It's still in a water bath. It's not going, it's happy, it's happy. We'll see. We'll see because the book that I'm working out of is um, you know, we'll save that for another hot dogs and caviar. But uh this is I'm not a thousand percent uh believing in this uh recipe that I'm doing. But <laughs> whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh I in the last couple of days have been working out of this book and I have made a really, really mediocre. Uh, raw oyster uh, with raw tomato mignonette, and I've made a really excellent borscht. So uh, we're we're learning as we go. By the way, it turns out borscht is really nice. It's like a I like borscht. Like beef and pork stew with beets and potatoes and cabbage and beans. Oh, I'm
1: into it. I just braised a whole bunch of cabbage.
0: Oh, Delicious. Braised, braised cabbage is, is amazing. Like cabbage. You know
1: what is awesome? Okay, cabbage kicks the ever-living shit out of kale cabbage is so much better than kale i mean like pound for pound like there are some really good varieties of kale they're delicious but all these little you know vanilla spice you know pumpkin spice latte yoga moms who think kale is so good they just want the frilly commodity crap and it doesn't even taste good doesn't taste like anything it tastes it's, like what you cook it's, it in
0: it's funny that you point out that they're moms because i remember back when they were college kids we're getting old man
1: <laughs> yeah you know what i mean uh, cabbage is delicious
0: all cabbage is delicious yeah cabbage i mean think about what cabbage can become cabbage can become kimchi cabbage can become sauerkraut Cabin. I got some
1: kraut going right now. I got some braised cabbage and just a little vinegar and anchovy juice and butter and chili. That's and it. it. And a and bay leaf. And if you That's follow, it. It's if, so
0: good. If you follow the blog, hotdogsandcaviar.blogspot.com, uh, then you can see the uh, Sarmale. Go to when I reviewed yes. uh, the, Ro- the Romanian cookbook and used whole leaf sauerkraut to make pork roulades cooked in juniper scented tomato sauce with bay leaves holy balls some of Dude, the best those food I've ever made. i
1: did in those whole leaf sauerkrauts balls
0: those are so good yeah there's there's just there's truly great stuff out there whole leaf do. sauerkraut is so underrated I, there needs to it needs to be on
1: every shelf in every grocery store
0: i mean or at least it needs to exist in grocery stores at all instead of having us have to go to uh yeah euro, euro foods over in uh west ashley cabbage rules Cabbage rules. Uh, all right. So, Nate dog, I have a funny story for mm-hmm. you. Take it away. A funny story to start the day off. Now, this is a sad story with a funny punchline. Uh, and this oh, no. story is about something that's happened to both of us. And that is when you show up and you find out that the restaurant you work at isn't going to be open anymore.
1: Yep. That's a bad day.
0: I'm not going to say the name of the restaurant.
1: Because
0: uh, I'm just, that's not the point of this story.
1: Yeah. And that's not the point of us either. We're not trying to air people out too bad.
0: (laughs) It's just, it's just there was a day and there was a restaurant and it was my manager shift. And I found out that we were closing it down. And the restaurant did right by people. They wanted everyone to sign an agreement that they weren't going to like dish on the situation. And then. Uh, they would get a severance. And I was not one of the people that was signing it because this particular restaurant wanted to honor their commitment. So there were a couple of parties that they had that they wanted to stay open for. But for the most part, most of the employees were being let go. It was an interesting day. <laughs> Let's just say that. Like, uh, But as a result, the interesting thing about this is that several people that worked there had to come in on their day off to get fired. Uh and um, I mean, we made it into a party, you know, like it, this was a restaurant that we were all very good friends that worked there. And we were not uh, we were not super surprised, but at least most of us that were in the upper echelon were not super surprised at what happened. Um, but, uh, the, you know, people came in on their day off like we, we called everyone. They wanted to get everyone in because they didn't want anyone to be surprised. And I respect that. That you know, it was like, okay, cause is there anyone we can't get a hold of? And obviously there were a couple people we couldn't get a hold of, but uh the managing director who was a very good guy, you obviously know who I'm talking about, yep. uh, was all about just getting as many people as possible in there. So there was this food runner. This food runner, she was just the nicest girl. And uh she started off as a hostess, uh, just very pretty, well put together, uh she was all of 19 and uh she was a quick study she was uh she didn't take to hosting she wasn't good at it like um you know like the thing is she was a very nice very beautiful girl but she didn't have a good fake smile like you know how like the fake smile is not the same thing as like a real smile and some people have a great real smile but they can't fake it this was this girl's thing she just she wasn't a good fake smiler and it was troubling because she was so smart she was such a go-getter I was like this is a good employee I don't know what to do with her and then at one point she just got bored hosting on a slow day and started like running around the restaurant just bussing and she was like I have my eye on the host stand but there's no one there I'm gonna do this And all of a sudden, we figured out what she was good at. It was like, oh, you're not a hostess. What you are is an essay. And she became the best essay. You ever, you know, you ever know every once in a while, like when you're working in a restaurant, you find a total, like just blue collar success story. Like, and I'm sure she's going on and doing different things with her life right now. But like at that moment, we figured out what in a restaurant she could do. And what she could do, she was not a hostess, Uh, she looked like one. But she wasn't a hostess. What she was, was a very good server assistant. She was a roller. She had limitless energy. She was easily bored. And we finally found something for her to do. And she really became kind of the heart of, of, the, uh, of the floor staff. Like, everyone loved her. She was everyone's little sister. And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to establish this character. So we're all there. And uh, we're all, you know, getting canned on our last day. <laughs> on the last day the place was open and you know the bartender was like so should i just start free pouring and we were like yes yes uh get anyone a glass of whatever they want it's off the books no one cares it's all going down uh, and so as there was and then people started getting taken aside and having individual meetings with the managing director so this girl was not working that day. She didn't work Sundays. it was a Sunday. And so she comes in and she has this look on her face of just total doom. And I was just like, honey, it's okay. Like, (laughs) it's it's like, you're not getting fired because of anything you did, we're all getting fired. It's cool. But she just had this look on her face and she wasn't talking much and she was being kind of weird. And we were like, what's going on with this girl? So we, we gave her some space, you know, because it was an emotional day for a lot of people. And, but, you know, what's interesting is there were people that were, were crying. I didn't think cared about their jobs at all. Like, I was like, oh, you, you who are a constant thorn in my side, you suddenly care about this place. But, you know, you can't judge. People lose their jobs. You, you got to get a whole new set of friends. You got to go be new around a bunch of new people. It's it's stressful. So I get it. I wasn't judging. So I yeah. gave I gave the kids some space. And we all got through it, and then, you know, the managing director's like, all right, well, I've uh, I've done what I can. And he looks around, and he's like, I am just going to turn a blind eye. I'll talk to you guys later. You call me tomorrow. And uh, I was like, will do, boss. And uh, then he left, and everybody relaxed even more and just started having the drinks. And I this girl was still just leaning on the wall, just looking like, shell-shocked like like what what was going on with her and so I walked over I was like hey honey like are you all right and she's like um yeah I was like it's just a job and for you it's like a like a really replaceable job like I will be happy to give you an like a marching orders I'll give you a reference like you could have another job in two hours. I know a lot of people in this town, and I didn't know what a good worker you are. I can get you a job. And she goes, No, it's not that. It's just it's just weird. And I was like, What? What what is going on with you? I'm a little concerned. And she's like, No, no, it's fine. I just took a a whole bunch of mushrooms like an hour and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was seeing waterfalls. I was like,
0: I was like, you are gonna be a fucking legend behind this.
1: Oh, that's awesome. was,
0: I've never been more proud. Oh, I was like, awesome. I like we're all, we're all having a weird day, but you're having a weirder day. That all you're having been. a really weird. Day. <laughs> Uh, isn't that great? That's freaking <laughs> spectacular. Oh, she looked so sad, and then it turns out she was just twisted. <laughs> uh, I, I was, I was so proud. I was just like, "Honey, I will hire you anytime." <laughs> like the next time I'm in charge of a restaurant, one of us. Well, I, I, was, I was like the next time the next time i'm in charge of a restaurant you just let me know i got you i mean it was <laughs> her day off it was her day off
1: <laughs> i mean you, you run the risk
0: <laughs> hey can you
1: come in and wash dishes uh yeah uh. i just full disclosure i've had like 10 beers
0: <laughs> i don't care
1: <laughs> all right <laughs> i'll be there
0: oh. <laughs> i was just i was just i was just so proud i was like that's perfect that's beautiful i was like i'm sorry we're harshing your (laughs) narbu she's growing up so fast
1: (laughs) Uh, oh what a great
0: kid what a great kid and if you're listening if you're listening uh, know that i still love you you you, you were <laughs> you're you were just the you were and are the best and if i had a restaurant job for you tomorrow and i are you
1: Uh, no, she wouldn't have any trouble finding a job today.
0: I mean, she was like 19, which means that she's probably 25 now. And she's probably like, I don't know, like a, like assistant to a senator or something. Like she's probably got some sort of actual job because she really was smart as a whip. She's Uh, got one
1: of those degrees on fancy paper with like a wax emblem on it and shit. Right. She's, (laughs) she's,
0: I mean, in another month, she's probably going to be my boss, but for that day, I imagine
1: lots of calligraphy,
0: right? (laughs) But <laughs> for that day, for that day, she was the queen. I was just like, I was just like, God damn, that's fucking excellent. All right. Uh, well, anyway, that's the funny story out of the way. Uh, so Nate, uh, we don't really have an agenda because this is hot dogs and caviar. We don't do agendas. Um, but you said you had some topics, so why don't you well, take it away? Well, since TK
1: couldn't join us, I got a couple, got a couple listener questions we could we could comb through, and I think that'll probably be. <laughs> i mean we could really dig into some of these yeah punch in, homie just take it away. all right so alex wants to know i think we've covered it a little bit but um he wants to know about some brands of knife recommendations we could throw out oh well. differences between german and japanese steel if there's any local knife makers if we have any thoughts on that and basic uh, knife maintenance questions.
0: Okay, that's a, that's a so great topic. That's, that's that's a, that, that could get it really deep. but That's um, an episode. My, um. Yeah, my, my <laughs> quick and dirty answer
1: to that though, just before we dive into that one a little bit, yeah. is knives are extremely personal and there are there's really no wrong answers. Like if you like a Kiwi, get a Kiwi knife, you know, if you want to spend 900 bucks on a Ninox freaking, I don't know, hand hammer Japanese Kurtsui or something by all means, but just remember they're tools, not toys. If you're afraid you're going to break the thing, don't get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's my best advice. Well, like uh, then generally then speaking, let's, let's start this off with just some personal stuff. Nate, what is your knife brand of choice?
1: Um, I like, I'm an, I like Japanese, knives like i'm not a really big like hefty guy i'm kind of gangly so i like more knives that have some more finesse and balance to it i don't feel like i need a knife with a lot of heft to it I'm, um, so, i am
0: a hefty guy and i also like a finesse knife i am a yeah Japanese, so I'm yeah so you never well. know
1: man um i like i like mac i like global um and then for butchering my go-to is victor Oh, yeah. um, I like the price point. I like the handles. I like the way they handle. So that's like a
0: Swedish, Swedish, I mean, right? Yeah. Victorinox, uh, Swiss, yeah. Swiss, Swiss. Yeah. Swiss knife they, company. They, I mean, they, the, the reason Swiss army knives are called Swiss army knives yes, that's is right. because Victorinox makes them um, yep. same company, same company makes same uh, company. That's right. It makes, yep. the, the company that makes Swiss, Swiss army knives actually also makes like, those are
1: my favorite butcher knives. Um, they've got a great price point. Um, and you know, you wear them down and you chip them, like you can get another one for like 40 bucks and then uh, paring knives, same deal. I won't spend money on an expensive pairing. Right. The,
0: the, the the question, the real question is what knives do you want to treat as a lifetime investment? I don't mean lifetime, not all, if you're a pro, all knives wear out, but what, what knives do you want to treat as an investment? Like a over a year investment versus what knives do you want to treat as disposable? and that's the key and ultimately like my investment knives uh the chef knife my actual chef knife my go-to i use a mac uk 80 Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh they're like 70 bucks it's the honda civic of knives they're japanese so they're i mean they're as sharp as a fucking whisper i mean they're scary how sharp you can get them uh they they're very light Like those those uh, heavy Vustoff and Henkel knives, they've got a lot of heft to them. Those can wear your wrist out. I have bilateral carpal tunnel. Mm -hmm. I have persistent wrist injuries, and if I if my knife was heavier, my hands would probably be worse. Like uh, a lightweight knife is key. However, I,
1: I like the way you just brought that up, though. I like how about this as a general rule. There's about three tiers. There's disposable semi disposable and investment knives. Like yeah. you want your everyday go-to knife. Like mine is a, a G5 Global um, Nakari or Yusuba. Um, that's my go-to. They're about 120 bucks, um, but I've had it. Yeah, this is the expensive. second one I've ever oh. bought. It's like, I've had it for almost 12 years now. You no, know? I'm, not, I'm
0: not knocking it. Globals last longer than max. They're just pricey. Like they
1: are a little more pricey. And then I'll splurge a little more on like a really good slicer. Like, maybe like 150 to 160 range. Like, my slicer,
0: my slicer is also a slicer, by the way, is a long, rigid knife. Long, yeah. My slicer is also a Mac, but it was much more expensive. The UK, yeah. AD, that's a $60, $70 knife. A Mac slicer is 120 to 160. So, yeah. in the same range, like Nate, Nate favors global, I favor Mac. They're both Japanese. Uh, Globals kind of look cooler. Macs are marginally a better deal (laughs) yeah they're a little
1: cheaper i mean they have more of a western style handle and globals have more of like a, uh you know know, japanese traditional handle but it's not really because they got that kind of like golf ball kind of that's
0: what makes the handle is what makes a global a global and if if you're if you're a fan of that then you're willing to pay for it for me i'd rather go mac because i prefer like a more old school handle Mm -hmm. but but the handle is what like when you, global people like global in part because of the handle.
1: Yeah, and they're easy to sharpen. They're easy to care for, stainless. Like you can get into all different kinds of steels and like whole bevy of them, but like German knives, they're, they're, there's really no wrong answers. It's really personal choice.
0: Yeah, like my, my, my chef knife is a Mac. My slicer is a Mac. Those are the only two Macs I have. I don't mess with Macs for anything else because I want to go cheaper. Because now you right. get into these semi disposable and disposable knives, like Nate said. Like for me, for butcher knives, I like a Granton edge, which means mm-hmm. they have the little um, the little divots in the side of the blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a Granton edge, rigid boning knife, uh, and Victorinox makes a good one.
1: Yeah, they are great.
0: They are. They're like
1: I like the, like the semi curve to them. Yeah, the too, the semi curve.
0: It looks like a. It looks like a. It looks like a like like a fun morning that that kind of curve, you know, just like <laughs> uh, it, it's they're not exactly curved like a scimitar, but they're not exactly straight. They have an upward curve, uh, and they are not disposable. They are sharpenable.
1: They'll uh, last you three to five years, easy. Yeah, you take care of them.
0: And they're yeah, they're a bitch to sharpen because curved blades are just a bitch to sharpen, but, but it's doable. I mean. You're
1: that like, bottom eighth is hard to sharpen too because of the the way the handle kind of runs into it but other than that
0: i let that fall by yeah side. you don't it, really use
1: that much of the blade anyways
0: and then for fully disposable uh which for pairing knives and serrated knives i go fully disposable and yep. that is where uh, like uh for pairing knives i don't really use a pairing knife i use bird beak knives yeah. Uh, for some reason like they have a they have a forward hook to them i'll put images up on the uh...
1: get yourself a bird's beak get yourself a, a serrated pairing knife and then for serrated like you can't sharpen those so don't spend 180 bucks on a badass slicer it's gonna get dull serrated yeah.
0: knife if, if yeah if, if you're uh, the person that's gonna buy the global chef knife and you know that's fine for your chef knife. Don't do it for a serrated knife. If you buy don't do a global it serrated it. knife, you're don't do idiot. it
1: for a paring knife either. Don't spend $90 on a paring knife. And also here's another great tip. Stay away from diamond steels. Don't fall into that crutch there. They will ruin your edge, especially on your good knives. Like yep. if it's a like somebody in the kitchen is gonna have one, and if it's been a while and it's a busy night and you really need to, something quick, go for it. But don't use it all the time. Like steal your
0: knife often, but don't not on a diamond. Okay, I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back it up and explain what he's talking about a little bit better yeah. uh, for our non cooks. Uh, if you have a knives in your house, you should have a steel, and the type of steel that most of us use is a rat tail steel. A rat tail steel is cylindrical. Uh, The best ones are made, in my opinion, by F. Dick. Uh, Those
1: are really good ones. F.
0: Dick rat tail steels are awesome. They're not cheap. They also
1: make badass sausage stuffers. Uh, Do they? (laughs) Yes. And they got the big dick on it.
0: (laughs) So F. Dick makes the best sausage stuffers. They make
1: good ones, from what I remember.
0: It's too easy. Anyway, um... (laughs) The rat tail steel doesn't sharpen your knife. It just hones your edge. Right. Like as over, over the time of use, your edge gets bashed up. The edge is an incredibly, the edge of your knife is an incredibly thin piece of metal. And so as it goes, think of it curving over like a C yeah. and you're just lining it back up. Yeah. You're just straightening out the thin piece of metal. You're uh-huh. not actually sharpening it. You're just taking you're the edge exactly of and making it true. Uh, a stone actually sharpens your knife. It fixes that edge. So a diamond steel is really just a stone on a stick. It it doesn't true your It'll edge. I mean, eat it, does, it up. It does true your edge, but it also grinds your blade down. And uh, what it does is make your knife a little bit sharper. Fast, fast, fast. But... It starts to wear down your knife. And every time you get more of a burr on there. And every time you use it, it also starts to wear down your steel. Like a rat tail steel will never wear out. A diamond steel will absolutely wear out.
1: My, my favorite next to the rat, I like ceramic steels too. So if you have like a really delicate, like Japanese knife or like something just to hone it up, just a nice little ceramic, it'll do the same too.
0: But they do break like glass.
1: Yeah. Don't Is drop it? it or it's done. Yeah. That's done. why don't spend $110 on a ceramic steel. Get the one on Amazon for $12.99 because it will break. You will drop it.
0: But when it comes to diamond steels, I'm actually reminded of the uh, the quote from Empire Strikes Back, where yes. Luke asks Yoda if the dark side is stronger. And he says, no, faster, easier, more seductive. But once down the dark path you begin, forever will it dominate your destiny. Diamond steels are a bad habit bad habit uh, and the thing is they're great they make your knife sharp as shit in two seconds but they're a yeah
1: you got a shop knife and it's not and the guy hasn't come it's like day 11 of 14 and that's all you got in the kitchen yeah give it a whack who cares
0: don't use it
1: on your nice knives though
0: but you do that enough times and you're gonna get a bad bad habit yeah like that thing is the knife will wear out and the steel will wear out better to use Mm -hmm. a rat tail that will never wear out and good knives that, well, I mean, every knife has a different shelf life. But, like, or uh, every knife has a different service life, I should say. Right, service, but, um, there you go. But, uh, you know, you should you should definitely use a knife that will work for you. And use a steel that won't kill itself while it's killing your knife. And that's what diamond seals do. Very good call, Nate. Very good thing to point out.
1: Yeah. And those rat tail ones, too, um, keep them clean um they can build up metal filings and all that and uh clean it off it'll really that you'll think it's wore out but it it's not even the ceramic ones like give it a good wash every once in a while and it'll help it
0: if you're ever worried about your rat tail steel just take a white towel and rub it mm-hmm. and you'll see all this black shit in the white towel that's knife bits that aren't on your steel anymore mm-hmm
1: Yep. Now I think your, that answers that
0: pretty nicely. Well, your I mean, guy, your guy asked about um. Oh, local, local knives. Okay. Um, I think. Well, let's give a shout out to Quentin Middleton. Yeah, he's the he's by far the most
1: famous, the he, most recognized. His he, knives are stunning. They're like works of art.
0: Yeah, and he is a cool guy. He is like, a super cool this, guy. He's younger than us. He must what mid thirties. Like
1: yeah, he's a super cool guy. His uh, brother Quentin, is a, a chef, I think, a Quentin, caterer at least.
0: Quentin Middleton is a local knife smith. We'll put in a link on Hot ties and hottiesandcaviar.blagspot.com to his webpage. Um, now, having said that, I, I revere and respect Mr. Middleton's knives. I don't use them because they're very expensive.
1: I've they're, never used one either. I've used them. I've never bought one, but boy, have I coveted them.
0: Yeah, There are great. many,
1: many knives that I covet and I really, really want, but I've just never been able to pull the trigger on it. It's just like... <laughs> And that's like, no knock. That's just my choice. That's a per like I, because like, I know the, somebody's gonna open a can with it. I know somebody's gonna drop it on me. I know somebody's gonna grab it and do something stupid with it.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, cooks are. Blue-collar. I don't. We're yeah. blue collar guys, and we can't afford tools that cost five or six times what the industry standard costs. Uh, as much as I like Mr. Middleton's knives. I like the look of them. Honestly, I like the feel of them. They're just, they're great blades.
1: They're fantastic,
0: but I don't need a handmade knife. My Mac UK 80 costs 70 bucks. A Quentin Middleton knife costs seven times that. A lot of them. I don't know who the price is now, but like at least... And it's not that
1: he's trying to rip you off or anything like no, that. No, these are not at all. all made by hand. Like these are special, special things. And if you walk in and you see a server chopping up some brie on a piece of marble with your knife, you're going to lose your shit.
0: Yeah. The, the, they're handmade works of art. He is a, he is an artisan. He is a absolute master craftsman. And the fact that I don't use his knives is less about, his prices and more about me as a cook i use yep, same I'm here blue collar goon i, I just like,
1: been burned too many times like my knives have been stolen and broken like yeah it pisses me off like to lose like a 90 dollar knife like a 90 dollar global but if i lost
0: something that costs like three or four times that and full i disclo- wouldn't be able to go out and buy another one full disclosure the mac uk80 that i love so much I have broken one in half trying Mm -hmm. to cut a wheel of Parmesan with one.
1: I remember that.
0: Yeah, that sucked. I was pissed. That was was like
1: dangerous.
0: Yeah, uh, you have never known sharp. Like if you break a knife, the edge that it creates is lethal. But yeah. Uh, yeah yeah you were there i was trying to i cut was there, there was I a remember wheel of, a wheel of grana padano, and my knife told me that it wasn't up to the task it started to flex and i was like fuck it i got this and then i just i was like i right, know i'll force it
1: that thing <laughs> was ice cold and you were not having it you're like not today i'm doing this
0: yeah and then my blade, blade was like no 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 my, no <laughs> my blade was like my blade was like i've tried so hard to please you <laughs> and still, you disrespect me. So yeah, uh, and uh, probably probably one of Middleton's blades would have made it through that wheel. I'm I, I'm for real, but the thing is, I was able to replace that blade two days later, for still less than a third the cost of one of Middleton's blades. So yeah, it's just much, more economics. Much love to Quentin Middleton, but I, I can't use his stuff. If any of you home cooks really want to have a truly great blade. And you're not in a professional kitchen where someone's gonna like use it to open up a number ten can of ketchup, then by all means check his shit out because it is Please
1: fire. do, yeah. I've, fire! I've, I would love to get one someday, but the
0: dude is a straight up badass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure.
0: All right, Nate, I think we've. Uh...
1: All right, I think that wraps that one up nicely.
0: What else you got, um, Nate? Dog.
1: I got a pretty quick. Well, we could get really into this, but um, Stephen wanted to know some um, general charcuterie information, like tips and tricks. Um, you got any, uh, anything general? Like, I would say, you know, trust the recipes first. Like, get, get a good book, like Cooking by Hand or the Roman charcuterie book. Follow that. Get comfortable with it. There's a lot of good advice in that. Um, always use a scale. Weigh your ingredients, especially curing salts.
0: I mean, um, I think that probably
1: keep it cold when you're grinding it. Cold, yeah. cold, 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 cold.
0: Okay, so yeah there 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 are some there are some hints and tricks that I can do with charcuterie. Uh, you're dead on. Um, just with grinding in general, anytime you're grinding meat, your meat should be almost frozen, like as in starting to get rigid, frosty on the outside as cold uh, as you can get it freeze your blades freeze your, grind, your grinder your, your grinder parts should be in the freezer mm-hmm. and uh th- that's that's a big one uh, another one is uh if you're doing if you're doing and this is for charcuterie or sausage or meatloaf or meatballs or anything except burgers uh is that salt your meat and then agitate it with the salt that creates the protein web mm-hmm. that holds the fat it's super important. Like there's a reason that if you take a patty of ground pork and cook it, it will be the texture of a well-done hamburger. Whereas if you take a patty of Italian sausage and cook it, it will be juicy and bursting with fat. Even if you cook it loose, like a, like a patty from bulk meat. And the reason Mm -hmm. is because it's been agitated with salt. We've talked about this on this podcast many times before. Many times. Uh, If you like, take the salt and mix it with the meat, that creates a protein matrix. The salt does something to the protein, exactly what I could not tell you, this is above my pay grade, but it makes a web, and the web has a bunch of little parcels in it that hold moisture and fat. Uh, That's so, as good an
1: explanation as anything, I'd say. Uh, right. And more uh, than you'll ever need to know, but yeah. so, salt uh, binds it, not egg, not, salt is the binder yeah they're, that's they're, the magic
0: yeah the the, the the two ingredients that are absolutely necessary for gotta sausage, have salt pork and salt if you take pork and salt and you'll never them, get and it grind them and agitate them together you can have you can have sausage based just on that mm-hmm. um and then uh,
1: another good tip and trick i'd say is um as with a lot of cooking though remember good today better tomorrow like season your season your grind season your your meat ahead of time and then then grind it that's a really good trick and then after you grind it let it sit before you cook it like if you can stage it out and let it sit the longer before you cook it the more flavors it's going to develop and let it ferment a little bit and
0: absolutely um I think, pate I,
1: grind and farce even meatballs you know
0: let it sit yeah anything ground and then let
1: it sit after you cook it too
0: <laughs> absolutely well pate is one of those things where like you grind one day you cook the next day you slice the third day it's a three-day thing um mm-hmm. i think that if, if someone's asking for general hints about charcuterie i gotta wonder whether they're, they're talking about like aged or dried charcuterie or right. fresh yeah they didn't specify because the aged and dry charcuterie my honest hint is leave that to the professionals like anytime you're talking about meat that is going to be salted and hung and and you don't ever plan on cooking it that's something that I would very much not consider for novices and if you if you ha- get to the point where you've read enough books that you think that that's something you are willing to do, you're way past this conversation.
1: Yeah. yeah, this yeah that's way beyond general tips and tricks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not impossible, not out of the realm. But you know you're gonna start. I'm you're not, gonna walk
0: before you can run. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna try to like encourage someone to nah create something like that based on this podcast Uh, like the the beauty of fresh sausage and fresh pates things that aren't aged is that they're fully cooked so there's a limit to how much trouble you can get yourself into just make sure it's fully cooked um but uh oh then god damn a big one a big hint for charcuterie if you're making a pate uh or is cook a little bit of the force meat. Yes. Or you cook the whole pate for taste. Like, the main thing is salt. But you can also tell if you don't have enough pepper or if you don't have yeah, enough Yeah, if herbs. you're
1: winging it or just trying to, you know. that's the, nothing wrong with that. Just yeah, like check taste. it.
0: And this is this is for pate. This is for meatballs. This is for meatloaf. Uh, this is for if you're making some sort of fancy, like, pre-mixed burger. Like, yeah, even a burger. Always just taste taste a little puck. Like, sear a little bit off. Make yourself a mini burger. And it, it, that's just super useful Check information. your seasoning. Check your seasoning. Uh, another good one. If you're making, and this is this is true for sausage too. If you want to use any aromatic vegetable that's onions, leeks, garlic, any of that, if you want to put that in anything ground, pate or sausage or anything else, cook uh, it. sweat it first. <laughs> if yeah. you put like two if you put two cloves of garlic in five pounds of meat and you don't cook it first, Then you've got the raw garlic and the meat's only ever going to get up to like 160. Well, when you sweat garlic in a pan, it's a lot higher than 160. Like garlic needs boiling temperatures to kind of off gas all those flavors. You cook it first, sweat it, sweat it, saute it, steam it, something Uh, that will make it a lot more mild and a lot more likely to kind of like blend nicely with the flavors that are going on, the pate you got going. So that's another one
1: yeah i think you could get away without cooking garlic if you had to um like even if you're just using like a clove but mostly it's um water content it'll screw up screw up your texture and sweat it out like carrot celery onion like really yeah sweat it out man
0: yeah like you'll it will take right over and if you mm-hmm. wanted to take over, then that's fine. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, then, yeah, like, exactly. If you, if you want to make a sausage that's just redolent of raw garlic, that's a perfectly valid decision. But you want that to be your idea. Yes,
1: yeah, so you want to be in control.
0: <laughs> you don't want that to be the garlic's idea where you're like, oh my God, I put in one clove of garlic, and now it all tastes like garlic. That's a sad discovery with pate. Because the thing about pate is it's like 20, 30 portions. And all those happened before you got to taste any of it. Yes. So so measure, don't screw the pooch. Measure twice, cut once with pate. That's measure that.
1: twice, cut once. And then I think my final tip for general tips yes. and tricks for that would be, remember, gentle, gentle, gentle. High heat is not always your friend. No, Go never, never. And high use heat. a thermometer. Yeah,
0: use a thermometer. Use a digital thermometer. Yep. That's your, a... Cook your pate in a water bath. Use a
1: scale. Use a thermometer.
0: <laughs> oh, and oh, god damn. If I have one pate hint that I'd like to give the world, it's take good notes. Write down everything you do because there's nothing more frustrating than absolutely nailing the perfect pate recipe and then realizing that you don't know how much salt you put in.
1: Yeah, you forgot how much you put in? And, use oh, a scale. God, that's the worst.
0: Use a scale and take good notes. Is, yeah, is,
1: recording it, your failures and missteps, or like it's just building blocks, man. But the thing is, record. And all if you of, nail it, you're gonna be really glad you have it.
0: <laughs> record all of your failures, cause you never know when you're gonna be recording a great success. Yeah. Recording Or you'll everything. have something
1: to build up, man. Everything I just loved—it was just way too much garlic. Three cloves. I'm going to do a half a clove this time. You yeah. Know?
0: But yeah, uh, yeah. take great notes and assume that someone else is going to come in behind you and do this. You know what? Actually, that's probably the best piece of advice I give anyone taking cooking notes is assume that someone else is going to come behind you. Uh, you know, assume that whoever, Joe Schmo, is going to be like the next person that does this this recipe. It's not always going to be you so true because well, i hope not... that was
1: helpful <laughs> yeah
0: yeah absolutely if, if you have any specific questions uh fire it off and let us know and we'll be glad to get more granular next time
1: absolutely
0: what else you got Nate? dog
1: you want to cover this this is the last one i got um, it. this is from um this could this could get real deep too okay but uh this is more of a professional question but um Michael was wondering if we have any trips on like tips on how to like train or manage people. <laughs> mm. I mean, I got a few thoughts, but I mean, I mean that's that's tough, man.
0: Uh well, yeah, sure. Um are we I mean are we speaking restaurant specific?
1: Yeah. Are yeah, restaurant in- specific. Well, Park. like the one thing that I that that I would really say just in like a general thing is leadership is you know they say like you know examples the most important thing it's the most important thing in leadership here's this little key it's not the most important thing it's the only thing that matters example is the only thing that matters so you have to set a good example if you're a leader or a manager like you have to do it, you can't just say it, you gotta do it. I think that's pretty pretty key as in like a general kind of
0: yeah I, I think leading by example is is an incredibly important uh standard
1: yeah you got you gotta lead by example and you gotta be consistent with your message and like you said with the Empire Strikes back, you know it's like it's a lot easier to be a capital anus like you can be you know, a jerk. And we, you know, we've covered this before, but you know, it's easier, but it's not the best way in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, leading, well, you, you were, you touched on it. Let's get into it. Chefs are so often dickheads. Yep. Nate and I realized that neither of us were dickheads. I mean, honestly, Nate's kind of a dickhead, but like, uh, (laughs) I'm busting his balls Uh, physically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, we, we 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 got it into our head that we were not gonna be jerks like just because we we were treated like absolute shit like there were there were just chefs that were a nameless but some of them are fat and some of them have red hair and some of them are just terrible people and uh we 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 decided that we didn't have to be like them that we didn't have to just abuse people. The thing is, if you abuse people, if you make someone terrified of you, then they will hide their mistakes. And that's not what you want. It's not if, what you want. If you make someone so scared of finding out that you, they did something wrong, that they, the, the, the best way to hide a mistake is to send into the dining room. And that's not what you want. You want someone to say, yo, I got a problem. This isn't right. Right. And they, need, they need to know they're not going to get punished for that. They need to know that they're going to get rewarded for saying, Hey, I got an issue. Like mm-hmm. I, I have, I, one of my guiding principles is if you fuck something up, you go right to the biggest dog of the yard and cop to it right then, right there. Yeah. And you, I, I
1: totally agree. Like you're like leadership. Like you're looking, it's not about, you know, leadership's not about like getting people to fall in line. It's getting people to follow you. And that's the tricky part. Like, yeah, sometimes you just need them to fall in line, but you know, you're looking for volunteers, not hostages. And a hostage is going to lie. They're going to sneak. They're going to hide. They're going to do whatever they can, you know? Yeah. Like even- volunteers, they're going to, they, they're, they feel part of it. And you got to make them feel part of that team and, they matter and they're important
0: and i remember one time where there was uh, there was a line cook and she wasn't super into the flavor of her crab salad on her station and you had tasted and we've told the story before you had tasted the station like on the quick quick like going through right before service and you know you you're not you're not getting into every single thing you're just like is anything immediately badly fucked up And she was like, I don't like this crab salad. And I was like, okay, well, make new. And she's like, but Nate tasted it. He said it was okay. And I was like, okay, call him back over. And she's like, no. And she was so scared of calling you out. And I was like, no, Nate wants you to Think for yourself. Nate wants you to let him know if you missed something. That's your main job. Like Nate tasted 30 things in a minute. Like not even 30. Nate Nate tasted 30 things in 20 seconds. Like Nate didn't have time to really get into this. You, however, have had all day with this. You've tasted it 19 times and you're convinced that it's not right. And she called you over and you were like, great make new and she goes okay and you were like your exact words i'll never forget it you were like i'm never gonna get mad at you for having standards (laughs) (laughs) yeah i trust you i need to trust you yeah i
1: count on you she was tell on yourself it's okay and then hopefully you breed that kind of culture where it's okay to make a mistake. Just try to make new ones.
0: So you know? petrified, yeah, of calling you out, like as if to say, "Hey, you missed this. You were wrong." And I was like, "That's not the kind of chefs we are. Like that we're yeah. we're we're something entirely unlike that. Like we're not here to yell at you. We're here to make the best food we can." And you thought that we had maybe been a little bit asleep at the wheel for that moment and for sure we probably were, I mean, she doesn't know what was going on in your head, what you had to do 15 seconds after you're mm-hmm. on her station. But like, the thing is, it was just, it was just funny. Ugh.
1: I mean, being, being a good leader too. It's like, it's about empathy. Like put yourself in their shoes. Like, Oh man, last time I told chef, like he blew up on me. Like, like ro- reverse the rules. Like, I hated getting screamed at for when I was just trying to fix a problem, like having some empathy and then a, a good strategy too. Um, if you have to correct someone like uh, there's a good, good strategy. Think of um, that. I learned uh, from a good friend of mine, it's called orange lemon orange. So you start out, like, say they're you got a new cook and they're a hotshot culinary student and they learned how to make this vinaigrette in culinary school and, you know, and they're not following your recipe and you're kind of pissed. So think orange, lemon, orange, go to them be like, Hey, that's a really great way to make that. Um, you know, like, start out with something good like that's a really great way to make that that's cool you learn that in culinary school but here's how we do it and this is how we need to do it there's the bad part like you need to follow the directions and the recipe um, and don't just tell them tell them why you know what i mean like explain to it like this is why we do this and that and then say but yeah keep that vinaigrette in your back pocket we might need it for a special someday or something like good shitty good good shitty good like say something find something to bring they'll be more focused and listening to you and more receptive like you're not just shitting on them like it's and it's a lot harder to be that way i'm not gonna pretend that it's not but it it's better i I promise you
0: i think that one thing just takes a little more thought a really good hint as far as managing people and i don't think this is just true in restaurants uh would be like what i was talking about with my little girl from the funny story, and that was that we hired her for a hostess. She looked the part. I mean, like, what do you hire when you're a hostess? She had a very sympathetic face, pretty, well put together, well spoken. Uh and that, that's you know, when you're when you're hiring people with no experience, that's the person you make a hostess. She's the face of the place. And uh later on it became immediately apparent to us that she was miserable as a hostess. She hated the work and she was much better suited. As being an essay, as being a buzz boy, and she was so much better at that job, despite the fact that she had the look that one expects to have at the host stand, and I, I'm 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 probably revealing a secret of the restaurant industry here, but it is what it is. You want your host to be pretty well put together, but um, this kid was so poorly suited to that work, and so I think one of the good things that you can find is look, look for jobs. If someone's not flourishing in the role they're in, look for another role that can flourish in. Uh, yeah. that's less true.
1: Versatility is great and having it's- versatility, but also, and it comes with experience, but you know, putting, there's nothing wrong with putting the ACE in their place. You know, like if you got an ACE bartender, don't make them go, you know, park yeah. cars.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I'm a great example of that. Uh, in the kitchen, I am not a particularly good line cook. Uh, I'm not that great on a hot station. I am an incredibly good expediter. And as, a, as prep cooks go, it took me a long time to learn where I was good. But what I'm good at is coming into a restaurant four hours before anyone else gets there, spending the day in the nuts and bolts of serious prep projects, and I don't mean prep projects like dice a case of tomatoes. I mean, prep projects like make me pate on crout, you know, like serious, deep, dark prep projects. And then when those projects are done expediting service, that's where I'm the best. Nate is an incredibly good line cook. Absolutely slick holds a station the fuck down. <laughs> and uh, so Nate and I are two different executive chefs who are, capable of doing very different things in the middle of a service like there were days it was weird man at Tristan Nate always wanted me to Expo and I was like that's cool and people will be like Nate's the chef why is he working grill and I was like because he's fucking awesome at it that's why (laughs) Like, (laughs) I was like I'm not great at grill but what I'm great at is keeping this place organized so I'll Expo You know, even though traditionally the expediter is like the guy that's in charge and he's the boss of the other line cooks, when Nate and I were working together, I would prep all day and then work expo because that was using my skills best.
1: Yeah, you're a great expediter. I am not a great expediter because I'm dyslexic and I also have dysplasia. So things get scrambled and in my brain and it's hard and I can train myself and do it like... You know, once I'm used to reading the information, but if I'm starting a new expo at a different restaurant like my I just can't process that information quick enough and people think I'm retarded and I'm trying to screw them up like it's like you're the smartest fucking
0: guy in the room.
1: I have to be slow though I just can't I don't I don't have the same processor. And like, I have dial up internet and you have, (laughs) (laughs) you got, you got high speed 5g.
0: (laughs) But that's, that's the key is that Nate and I, I mean, we figured this out just by the virtue of working together for like Mm -hmm. years and years and years and years and millions of hours and (laughs) finish each other's sentences. And his wife calls me work wife and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But like, uh, you know, there's, that happens every day. And so Nate and I are a great example, but there's, we're not the only example. Like you need to learn what your people are good at doing. And if you can find a way to help them do that thing, then you can really get a ton of mileage out of people that would otherwise you wouldn't get good mileage out of. So that's my other, that's my other hint is that like, find out what people are good at. And and help them, help them find a role that will work for them.
1: Absolutely. And if anyone has any specific questions or needs some advice or whatever, we're happy to share it. Um, it's hard to like drill down on such a broad topic, but
0: my only other, my only other thought, this is, I'm only saying this out loud because I think my, uh, days of running a kitchen are over. Uh, but I mean if, if Greg if Greg Kurtzman is listening he's not going to be surprised by this uh, I, my my other piece of uh, thought as far as uh, like m- motivating people is it's easy to get mad at somebody it's easy to yell and bitch yep what takes a little more subtlety but is a lot more effective is making them mad at themselves
1: mm-hmm
0: like and anybody anybody can yell at someone but to make someone want to scream at themselves in the mirror that's that's management that's that's genuine motivation
1: Yep. old uh, danny meyer the constant gentle pressure i always liked that
0: yeah there was you know things meyer, like that I, little I,
1: nuances
0: i read that book and i wanted to show oh, it's it.
1: not a he's he's I, a, he's a arrogant
0: <laughs> I wanted to I want to put him in an overhand headlock and staple things to his face. There were some like, good
1: gems in there. No, though. no,
0: I know, I know. I just I just I just like it wasn't even that I hated the book. I just hated him while I was reading the book. Like but that constant gentle pressure thing, man, that's some true shit. Like That is true. That's good. The, the idea is that the best the, the best way to motivate people is constant gentle pressure always. Don't ever let people rest, just always be pushing. This is how much better you could be. This is how much better you could be. Because mm-hmm. and the thing is, yeah, it seems dickish. Like, you know, if somebody's like, ha ha ha, it's perfect, you know, then you're like, No, oh, well, you could have done this. And but if 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 you do that long enough and if they value their job, then they'll just start anticipating you and they'll start feeling that in their own brain.
1: Yep, yep. And it and it doesn't even matter what you teach, it's what you emphasize. Like you could teach cooks four or five different techniques. You may not even use them at that restaurant, but what you emphasize and what you keep going back to they're going to pick up on that. Like, this is an emphasis, like keep your towels folded, keep your towels folded, keep your towels folded. Like, you know, things like that. It's what you emphasize.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you remember when, uh, do you remember when Tarver thought that I was too clumsy and made me beat God of war? (laughs) <laughs> yes. He made you stay up and play a
1: video game. <laughs> yeah.
0: I agree. To this day, I don't really know if that actually helped me, but it was a pretty sweet video game. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. You know, another thing that happened was um when I first my first hotline job, my first hotline job, it was at Avenues. Because, I, I mean, I've worked, I've worked the hotline at, like, bar and grills and, like, diners. That didn't count. But, like, I started in real restaurants. And my first real restaurant was Trio. And I, I had a hot app station, but I was mostly a prep and plate guy. Uh, interestingly enough, like, prepping and expediting. Right? Grant figured it out pretty quick. Uh, I was, but I was a prep and plate guy. I wasn't really on the hotline avenues at the peninsula hotel was the first place where I was ever like the saute guy. And I had a bad habit of burning my hand on hot panhandles and it was embarrassing, but like, I just always would burn my hand on pot, hand- hot panhandles. And the chef uh the sous chef brother, Charlie McKenna, uh, currently of Lily's Q in Chicago, uh, barbecue and He was my sous chef at the time. And he was like, hold a towel in your left hand, always hold a towel in your left hand, never let go of the towel, and you'll always have your left hand to grab hot things with, tongs, spatula, sharpie, all these things going in your right hand, the towel only ever in your left hand, and I was having a hard time picking up on it, but that's actually good advice, so after a Saturday night of fumbling through and burning myself and making a mess and dropping things that needed to go on plates into the dining room for like 60 bucks uh he just walks up to me grabs my wrist puts a towel in it closes my hand and goes now this is the restaurant was closed sunday monday he goes when you come to work on tuesday that towel is still in your hand and you're fucking fired i was like okay and so mm-hmm. I got on the train holding my towel. Went home that night. Dave was like, Why do you have a towel in your hand? Then I explained the situation and she said, Okay. You know, had drinks holding the towel. Went to bed, of course, dropped the towel. Woke up first thing, found the towel, put the towel in my hand. So it's like middle of the afternoon on Sunday. We're watching the Cubs. It's a day game because it's Sunday. Sunday day games, beautiful stuff. And my wife's phone rings, not mine, my wife's. And she's like, oh, hey, Charlie. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, he's holding the towel. Okay, talk to you later. And hangs up. He didn't call me to make sure I was holding the towel. He called my wife to make sure I was holding the towel. She was my girlfriend at the time. But like, uh, and, you know, I walked back in. And he's fucking waiting for me. And just and I just held up the towel. He just tapped me on the shoulder and goes, All right. And now you're done burning yourself. And the motherfucker was right. I never burn myself again. Like uh now if I'm on a station and I don't have a towel in my left hand, I feel like there's something very wrong.
1: Yep. Yep. That's a good, good story, man. And you know, you don't always have to be quite so direct. You gotta know your audience. Like some folks like Jesse can take it. Charlie if you was did that, to that little, if I yeah, <laughs> if I did that to the girl who was afraid of the crab salad, she would have shut down and it would have been over with. So you gotta you gotta know your audience. So you know, but it's all those little things, you know, just gotta be. It's so hard. <laughs>
0: I feel weird that there's no towel in my life right now. You're a towel. You're a towel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think... That's about uh, all I got. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I've um,
1: got- oh, but Michael... Okay, real quick, though. Michael did ask us, had a request for us and with Tarver. He would like us to do a real-time menu with foraging and wild game. Done. That sounds cool
0: yeah and i mean tarver's gonna cover the foraging part i think uh me being the fisherman i'll probably be able to be there for the seafood part uh yeah uh i think that, sounds that, fun the next time the three of us get together let's do that let's yeah we could on, do that that'd be let's fun bring it on tarver and then if he listens to this he'll have an idea that we're gonna do it but if he doesn't listen to it then we'll surprise him Uh, i
1: love it
0: yeah he'll love it and the thing is even if he has a chance to get ahead he'll still forget because he's tarver and then he'll be (laughs) like oh dude that's fucking sick (laughs) yeah we already talked about this remember (laughs) we did that that sounds great we're oh we're so doing that so yeah uh, great idea dude uh so we're gonna do a wild game and forage dinner that sounds awesome i know i'm not very outdoorsy except when it comes to the pier so obviously i'll be handling the fishy side of things but yeah that'll (laughs) that'll be awesome fuck yeah all right well mr dog i think that brings us to the end of another fine fine sexy sultry episode of hot dogs and caviar i mean sultry (laughs) on your end i kind of look like a like a trash bag full of yogurt but uh word up uh yeah thank you man that was fun speakeasy is gonna play us out of here thank you for handling the subject matter because as per usual i had nothing uh we
1: had some housekeeping so yeah that uh, was good
0: all right so uh speakeasy is gonna play us out of here and uh for uh nate's pancake whiting i am the mouth of the south jesse sutton and uh we will talk to you all next week
1: all hail razor ramon
0: all hail razor ramon (laughs) <laughs> uh I, I, I feel like I just want to give I just want to give the whole world the big fat fucking razor's edge.
1: I'm gonna go get a toothpick right now.
0: Yeah, then, you know, I was watching, I, I when he passed on, I was like, oh man, that sucks. And you know what's was gonna happen because it like cause it took like four days to like yeah, finish playing. He was out.
1: in rough shape.
0: But like, uh I mean, dude, had three heart attacks. it has gotta be kind of a record. But uh I was watching uh a, a championship match between him and Brett the Hitman Hart, and the dude was chewing a toothpick, and he had another toothpick behind his ear for in case he lost his first tooth, first toothpick. Like that's planning ahead. When you got another toothpick behind your ear in case you lose your first toothpick, oh, what a badass!
1: What a professional!
0: What what a, what a consum, what a consummate professional!
1: That is a pro move,
0: Razor Ramon, the <laughs> Razor's Edge. <laughs> up, on, my man Razor Ramon forever Hot Dogs and Caviar tribute Razor Ramon forever up, Come on Come on Come on Little baby My little darling My little sister Come on baby Just keep your head up Come on baby Just
1: keep your head up